0: Listening to the Retail Razor Show, where your expert hosts and big guests cast through the clutter in retail and retail tech to shape the future of retail.
1: Hello, and welcome to season two, episode eight of the Retail Razor Show. I'm your host Ricardo Belmar,
2: and I'm your co-host Casey Golden. Welcome, Retail Razor Show listeners, to Retail's favorite podcast for product junkies, commerce technologists. And everyone else in retail and retail tech alike.
1: Well, Casey, this is a conversation I've really been looking forward to. Each year in January, pandemic years notwithstanding, retail industry comes together for the largest event in our industry, the National Retail Federation's Big Show in New York. At its peak, I think this event was right before the pandemic, forty thousand attendees from across North America and and a lot of international visitors from all over the world. Now we're coming up on the twenty twenty three Big Show next month. From from when we're recording this. So we're thinking listeners are probably hearing a lot of noise by now about what's going to happen at this show.
2: That's right. And they don't call it the big show for (laughs) no reason. And since our specialty is cutting through the clutter and the noise in retail to get to the useful bits that everyone wants to know, we thought we'd put together a special edition to our show to serve as a guide for beginners who are either attending their first show or feel like they could benefit from an experienced NRF veteran on how to navigate
1: Java. And to do that, we invited a really incredible retailer with years of experience attending and leveraging the NRF event to the fullest to bring you this special edition NRF for Beginners episode. So today we are going to hear from no stranger to the show, Andrew Lodato, CEO of The Vitamin Shop.
2: So many great tips and tricks on how to make the best of the show, how to meet your goals as a retailer, attendee, and even more importantly, how to navigate my city, New York City. So if you're new to the NRF show or to New York City, you're going to find a few nuggets here that are useful in this conversation. Be sure to have your notepads ready to go, get that Slack channel open.
1: But first it's time for the newest segment of our show, Retail Razor Data Blades where we talk real-world numbers and slice through measurable consumer insights. It's a bit like show me the math so I understand where this data is coming from. And bringing us that slicing and dicing of data is Georgina Nelson, CEO of TrueRating. TrueRating is changing the way retailers track how customers feel against how they spend with an innovative multi-channel feedback solution that has an average of 80% response rate from consumers. Georgina will share with us some key data points and offer a bit of insight into what's behind those numbers based on that extensive customer survey data at the point of sale.
0: Welcome Georgina. Thank you so much for having me.
2: So today's retail razor data blade segment mm-hmm. is how rising prices are
0: impacting shopper habits. Georgina, give us the data. Well, last time we chatted, we discussed how over 81% of consumers who we polled across our markets and that was yeah, over 170,000 shoppers had been noticing the the pinch on the cost of living. So 81% were noticing, but then we thought, how how is that actually impacting behavior? Now, what changes are people making in light of that and how is that affecting retailers? So we asked whether people were driving less or more as a result. And we found that 63% of consumers in the U.S. said they were driving less because of the rising gas prices. We also found out that 60% were cooking more at home, so eating out less, and 74% were using a list when they went shopping, which is a big increase on, our, on the previous terms, which we've asked that. And academic research shows that generally consumers spend 15% less when they have a list. It's that, that discipline mm. and keeping to Interesting. it.
2: Interesting.
0: Yes. Yeah. So, so it, It's really become clear to us that there's, when it comes down to discretionary spend, big ticket items, you know, consumers are definitely being more careful. They're shopping around more. They're making less frequent trips when they're going by public transport. And that means that the retailers who are in urban areas where there's a great public transport network aren't at such a disadvantage. So Georgina, I know retailers and
2: consumers alike have been feeling the burden of inflation for quite a few months now. I'm certainly shopping around more and being a lot more considerate about where I choose to spend my hard-earned dollars. Is it pretty much all doom and gloom until inflation winds down? Or is there some upside here
0: for retailers? I think that's a definite upside. When you think of that consumer shopping around, that opened the whole world of opportunity. You've got new consumers coming through your door and you've got a chance to, to woo and turn them. And so, you know, this is a great, yeah, a great opportunity to win new loyalty with incredible customer experience, targeted marketing and comms. And yeah, and build that loyalty fan base.
1: It's I think now- there's
2: something to say when in any type of recession or inflation or any type of point when the, Economies taking that pinch those consumers that continue to shop with you they're really kind of top of mind as the brand is really top of mind for them and it's it's pretty important as you go into like a different economy to see where those customers end up flushing out overall i would assume
0: yeah yeah a hundred percent and i think it's around understanding you know what makes that That customer loyal. What are they? Mm -hmm. What are they affiliating with your brand? What products are they purchasing? And really getting into that deeper level of of customer insight and analytics. I think you know as we as we look to how a a lot of our retailers are fighting the the inflation and the and the pinch on wallet spend, it's really focusing down on, as I said, that element of customer experience, but train, train training you know, the the store cashier to actually be a brand ambassador? How can they promote recommendations? How can they promote upsell? And even, you know, simple things we found that like, such as asking a customer their name in some of these, you know, fashion environments, et cetera, when that consultative sale really helps, we've seen that drive average basket spend by over 30%. Mm. Wow. Likewise, if a customer makes a, you know, if if a cashier makes a recommendation, so you know all these all these simple things which a retailer can can take and train the teams, and then see the see the impact down at a store level, the key.
1: Well, it all comes back to that experience, doesn't it? Well, there exactly. we have another edition of the Retail Razor Data Blades.
0: I'm listening for the
2: cool segment music right now.
1: Okay, and with that cool update, let's jump right into the discussion with our special guest for our NRF for Beginners discussion. Today, we're here with a retailer who's no stranger to the show and has extensive experience making the most of the NRF show and all the activities during NRF Week in New York City each year.
2: That's right. So let's introduce our guest, Andrew Ladato. COO of The Vitamin Shop and former CIO of Pier One Imports. Let's pave the way for the newbies coming to NRF this
1: year. Welcome back to the show, Andy. Yeah, thank you. Hello. Great to see you, Ricardo and Casey.
2: So how many NRFs have each of you been to in your retail careers?
3: Yeah, so I've been to 20, 21. This will be 22. Wow. Um, I actually took a little stint on side of retail. Well, it sounds like a lot, but when you meet people there, you'll meet people with 30 plus NRFs under their belt. So yeah. I consider myself a veteran, but certainly not as senior as some, some of the people.
1: Yeah, I think this is going to be my, I've, I've lost track, even though it doesn't sound like I should, but like 11th or 12th NRF. So sometimes you're you're totally right about that, Andy. I'll run into someone and they'll say, oh, this is my 20th NRF. And I'm like, oh, that, that's kind of making me sound like the newbie. <laughs>
2: Wow, exactly. I think I'm only at like six, so you guys have got, definitely got me beat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, let's take a brief step back. And for those who are the true beginners to NRF, let's define exactly what NRF is. And so, Andy, how would you describe the, the jam-packed NRF week as it's start, become called in the last few years you know, of activity surrounding the actual NRF show and everything else that's going on in New York City during that nice bitter cold week in January that we're always also so used to?
3: Yeah, so we all call it NRF or NRF Week, but actually NRF is stands for the National Retail Federation, and it's a retail advocacy and lobby organization. So most retailers are members of the National Retail Federation, and every year the NRF puts on several shows, conferences, events around different disciplines, technology, supply chain, digital, store ops. But in New York, once a year, they have what they call the big show and so we just call it the nrf and uh, but it's the big show i don't know if this is true but the story is a hundred plus years ago retailers you know all got together in new york city and said how would we do over the holidays i just imagine like 12 people in a room with a box of donuts and, and it really evolved yeah. from there
1: i wonder if that's true
3: here i off. made it up but it, <laughs> it sounds <cool>. good
1: though <laughs> you can picture it
2: like it's a building filled with men in pants <laughs> so as a retailer what should our goals be? Attending? What kind of ROI do you expect to get from this trip?
3: Yeah, Kish, I'm glad you used the term ROI. I mean, people spend a lot of time and money to attend. You know, hotels in New York are three hundred to five hundred dollars a night, and then travels. The you know, behind every event. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> if, you know, so. I think it's really important. And if you, know, you get the opportunity to go, especially one of your first times, you know, make sure your company feels like they got their money's worth of their investment. Mm-hmm. And so I always have goals. I think everyone should set some goals and mine are pretty simple, but when I think they're powerful. So my goal will be to come back from the big show with one to three brand new ideas, something I haven't heard, read, whether it's been on a podcast. So you get inspired, whether you're in a formal session or a chat or social and you hear something, Someone's doing or contemplating, and to get one new idea that you can bring back to your business makes you know the investment palatable or, or worth it. Then I also have a goal of having making three or more retail connections, you know, just to meet someone new, finding someone in a different company that does what you did, or maybe they're ahead of you on some journey on either omni or digital or some path that's important to you. So making that connection that you can follow up with later is really really key. And then the last thing on my return on investment is to get a scorecard on how you're doing to honestly judge yourself when you you talk to others. And sometimes you find, you know, everyone's not as far along. Sometimes you may be like, wow, I feel like we're behind when you read all the hype and then you start talking to people about their reality. Or you may find that someone's way ahead of you on something and and then that sets the standard that hey, we need need to redouble our efforts.
2: That makes sense. I find that NRF different than a lot of other trade shows has more customers join rather than some other trade shows and industry events where I find that it's a sea of vendors. I definitely feel like I get to meet more customers and more retailers that attend NRF from like the daytime into the evenings.
3: Yeah, you know, and if you're new, you'll notice quickly that the NRF is kind enough to color code your badges. And so you'll be able to tell if someone is a from a retailer from a supplier from the analyst are they a speaker so you'll learn the code pretty quick and uh, if you're a uh, call you're a buyer not a seller you're gonna get a lot more attention walking down the aisles. that's true but yeah you're certainly fine not and not just i would say not just a lot more retailers but a lot more principals. you're talking about ceos and a lot of c-suite also attend the show
1: yeah that, that's true that's true I, i'm curious about one thing you, you just said there I'm going to go, Andy, about seeing how how far along you are. I, I'm curious, is, is when you're thinking about that, are you, in in a way, trying to gauge and compare where you're at versus what all the industry hype might be before you get to the show and kind of, are you trying to see if while you're there at the show, can I level set around that hype? Is it really hype or is there something real there that maybe you are doing and you don't feel like you're far off along or maybe there are things that you haven't been able to figure out if you should be doing? But you keep hearing all this hype and you get to the show and you're trying to validate that.
3: Yeah, you hear the hype and you're trying to validate it, right? So I'll make something up because this has been going on since my first interrupt to talk about RFID. Yeah.
1: going
3: to change right. the world and talk about that. And, you know, you open up the press and people are like, oh, we solved all our inventory woes with RFID. So you sit down with people and talk about what did it take? How was it? Was it really worth it? And you kind of get that honest. And if you meet with 25 people and ask them all about same question, you really get a better feel for than just yeah. reading the article.
1: What, what about the sessions at NRF? Do you, do you go to the sessions that are there? And, and if you do, how do you decide which ones are worth your time to go to? And, and I guess the sort of second part to that is for this coming NRF, are there any sessions you're particularly interested in?
3: Yeah. So I think the sessions are extremely important. I think it's easy to not go because you end up getting all these invitations before in the expo booth. Maybe you know, for a retailer, you can pretty much get in for free. That's not that difficult. But I think they're extremely important. So for me, it's the keynotes because ultimately every NRF ends up with a feel to it or a theme. And, you know, I have some theories on what I think the theme will end up being this year. And I think it'll be around, you know, your business in a tough economy. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. And, and I think getting to some sessions are important. The sessions that I like to attend are really about the call it the bleeding edge stuff. I'm actually, I'll do a little plug. I'm that moderator of a session on digital mm-hmm. twins on Sunday afternoon. So I'm super excited about that topic and I know very little about it. So, you know, I'm going to learn a lot being the moderator of that. So those are the kind of sessions I like. And then anyone who's done, done something you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. for example, you know, we're at the vitamin shop. We just last year rolled out buy online store ships, boss. So any session on those, we were, eager to get to because we heard you know some learnings we can have from others
2: what would you as a retailer what kind of advice would you give to a a technology vendor that's going for the first time because yeah so they're there for you right so
3: (laughs) i i think the nrf big show is most amazing place to meet people for the first time and get started so my advice would be to try to have your meetings just about have some coffee and get to know someone. I don't think you should try to demo in detail. It's loud, it's noisy, there's interruptions. It's a horrible place to sit down and spend 45 minutes going through a new AI-driven planning system, right? People aren't going to be able to focus. So I think for technology vendors, you know, make plans up front of who you want to meet with, reach out and make the meetings really as casual as you're comfortable doing. And it may not feel worthwhile, but I think that's more worthwhile than trying to no one, no one shop. No one shows up at the Internet uh, big show with their checkbook, right? We're not shopping. Right. We're there yeah. to learn and to make relationships. So that's my advice. Is just focus on the relationship.
2: It's great to know that you're really not there to shop. <laughs> Thanks for saying that out yeah. loud, Andy. So,
1: so, so let me ask you then. On I've never bought a single thing. Yeah, I was just going to say. Yeah, I bet that was going to be the answer. Yeah, it, which, which I think I kind of find with most retailers I know that that's always true. It's you know, it's you're not there to decide to buy, you're there to learn, right? You're there to find out and investigate and, and kind of help you help set up maybe some guide rails around where you want to go and what you want to look for.
2: That's great. I mean, exactly. that really helps everybody understand like what value they need to be thinking about providing when they show up.
1: So I guess maybe also along those lines, Andy, you know, just thinking in terms of from the retail tech vendors that are there, right? In so many cases, right? And I'll, I'll speak from the vendor side here. You know, there's always a desire to try to show off what, every for every vendor what we have to every retailer that comes by and to your point right where you're, you're kind of saying focus on building the relationship you know it's not the best environment to go through a detailed demo and kind of thing so so i'm curious what what, what advice would you have for vendors who are totally focused on making sure they have the right demo and the right experience to show off to any retailer that comes by what's your advice for for that vendor in terms of how they should present themselves
3: yeah. Let me start with something that people may forget about. It's a good opportunity for retail vendors to shore up their existing relationships. I mean, a lot of us haven't seen each other for three yeah, years, right? right? So, you know, start with that. And again, I always talk about the principles are there. We're going to, our CEO, Sharon is going to be at the NRF. She's on the board of the NRF. So, you know, establishing and uh, firming up those relationships, because remember, we're wandering around CIOs, COOs, we're wandering around to these parties, events, and people are asking us, who do you use for this? Who do you use for that? So, you know, that's kind of like, almost like a defensive, but focus on your incumbents first, like your existing customers. Mm-hmm. And then my second thing would be just to be, you know, I don't know what the right analogy is, but to be targeted. What's the point? A lot of people in my mind seem like they're, they consider winning the maximum number of meetings, but go for quality over quantity is what i would say i mean the people beg me to come meet in their booth we're at no interest and i'm not shopping and i tell them that but it seems like they don't care i mean someone offered me a hundred dollars to meet with them which i find really quite humorous (laughs) i'd like to go back and tell my younger self that but why why are they so desperate for me to come to their booth if they know i'm not interested i guess it's just to tick a channel Mm -hmm. right so don't do that yeah 10 good meetings way better than 30 substandard
1: meetings is there you Was know, there any like any one thing that you've seen vendors do in the past that you just say to yourself, "Why do? You, why would you do that? Please stop doing that. Don't do that again."
3: Yeah, that tackle you when <laughs> you're coming down the aisle, right? I mean, okay, yeah. A lot of us try to flip around our badge, but say yeah. you just interrupt me, step in front of me, start chatting, give me your pitch. I don't know you. I right. don't know who you are. I know what you're right. doing. I'm late for something, and it's just that's going to be. Talk about relationship building. You're starting with
2: right. The
1: that's right. Yeah, you're doing the opposite mm-hmm. right there. So this
2: is fascinating. So related question: What are your top tips overall? I'm a big fan of the coat check, but what about lunch, et etc.? Have you ever done any lunch meetings like away from NRF?
3: Yeah. So you know it's important to have a plan. And your first time at NRF, I mean, I, I'm glad you mentioned coat check. Like you walk in and there's a long line to check your code and you come if you come first day, you know, you're, and you have to have a code. I mean, it's New York city in January, it's cold. It could be snowing, freezing rain, but just be like, have a plan. If you see a long line, I bet if you go down the place is really huge, you go down to another section, there'll be a no line or someone might invite you to have, I know some, I am not going to say who, but I know a vendor who built a code check into their booth. Yeah. You know, they get traffic and that's where my quote goes.
2: I always find anytime that there's a line at an event, that's really an opportunity to meet your neighbor. Sure, because instead, much you know, more organic conversation when you're both sitting there like complaining or waiting.
3: <laughs> Absolutely. The line in Starbucks, you know, yeah. and I agree. And that's when they talk about having a goal of making you know, at least three new relationships. Yeah. But you could get frustrated very quickly, like getting to Javits in the morning on a bus and then waiting in a line. And then, you know, now all of a sudden you're missing the keynote and you go in there and there's no more seats and you're you're nervous and stressed. And so have a plan, get there early, put your code somewhere smart, Remember where you put it? The lunch at Javits is really almost inedible. It's horrible and expensive. And so I don't recommend at all leaving the Javits Center. You know, you're going to, it's going to, well, we sell plenty of healthy (laughs) protein bars at the vitamin shop or on the floor. You know, these booths are going to have popcorn and candy, but I would definitely plan on eating on the fly. The reason I say don't leave is that now you got to get your coat again, Mm -hmm. and then you're going to go somewhere. And if it's a sit down restaurant, that takes time. So you're talking about an hour and a half minimum right to leave to leave the grounds for lunch so i wouldn't recommend that but yeah just i would say have a plan for all these things and don't be frustrated and uh if you want to get your badge early, like you can sometimes get your badge at the hotel
1: right
3: in satellite places so that's a nice little trick if not if you come in a day before you can get it the day before they may even have ways you can print it read read the instructions they're not a lot but sometimes like you need your id or you need this or that or i don't know what they're going to do with COVID. but just read the instructions be ready and take the stress out by, by having a plan for these things.
1: So on, on that topic of scheduling meetings, for example, you know, so good, good tip you mentioned, you know, don't, don't try to leave in the middle of, of the day from Javits and then expect to come back. What do you do around meetings? You know, for example, do you, do you try to avoid having too many meetings in a row? Because I, I know I've always found like the biggest challenge is Javits is bigger than you think it is. So just trying to get from one meeting to another can be tricky sometimes, especially if you're trying to go between floors. And you got to leave yourself enough time, but do you have a strategy for for how you look at scheduling meetings on your calendar while you're there?
3: Yeah. So not only is it really, really big, you got the people (laughs) stopping you, like I mentioned earlier, right? So you got the gauntlet (laughs) to try to get to your meeting and plan your meetings with a map. And so they'll lay out where the booths are. And if you have, you know, you want to meet with say six people on it, on one of the days. So what I would do is I would start, sit down and start with what sessions do you absolutely want to attend and block those out in your calendar. And let say, okay, who do I absolutely want to meet with? Then reach out to them. And, and I've already done a lot of this. I mean, you need to be doing this now, right? These things. I laugh when someone will invite me to dinner like the day before. My <laughs> laugh because like, these little books yeah. are in, right? So, I mean, and then lay out the, the meetings kind of like from, you know, Javits is numbered from zero to whenever 10,000. So either go left to right or right to left and, and be smart about it. And just plan, and if you can, it's a big puzzle because they also have to be available, but plan your meetings. And then you will encounter something that you want to see at the Javits that you don't know about before you go. So there's some balance. You want to leave some free time, maybe at the end of the day to say, oh, wow, I, I met this person in the line at the co-check and I want to go by and, and meet them. So leave some time for that as well.
1: What about some of the other big attractions during that week? Are all of these other ancillary events that are happening, Casey mentioned it right, all the things in the celebrations the dinners the everything happening all around the city outside of the javits and outside of the show i would even say some of my favorite uh, things that happen at nrf are those extra events i think the case would probably say the same thing that's why you go to those too and then some are vendor-led some are vendor-sponsored some are not really led in any way by a vendor they have a different purpose what are your goals and expectations around how you approach those events
3: Yeah, so for a lot of people, for me, you know, I usually never even came to New York City other than the NRF. So if you want to see New York City, I mean, New York City is an amazing place. So you could maybe plan some of your own time. One thing that may fascinate people, like you may pick a night and only go have dinner with your coworkers. You know, I know you'd have to pay your company will have to pay or you have to pay yourself. But you know, something you don't probably normally do back home is spend some time. So everything doesn't have to be, and you don't have to be on, and you don't have to be here on a pitch. So that's something that we did all the time after one would pick a night and just have dinner with, with all of our coworkers that came to the show. I think the long, the more people that attended dinner, the longer it takes. And I actually have some math formula. I had like seven minutes for every attendee to my <laughs> dinner. So when you start to get into these, number one thing I ask is how many people are going to be there. So, you know, if it's a 30 person dinner in a big room, you're looking at three plus hours. Mm-hmm. I try to avoid those. I'd rather kind of bop from calling a happy hour and a happy hour kind of event where I can meet people and have one on one conversations. I know I keep talking about not eating, but there's plenty you're gonna eat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Your bars and the popcorn and the treats. And then there's gonna be at these happy hours, we'll call them happy hours or cocktail. There's gonna be plenty of hors d'oeuvres and, you know, kind of stay on the fly is what I like to do. Maybe pick out that one night for a team meeting and then bop from event to event.
2: There's one vendor and I'm not gonna say who it is, but it's usually probably around like eleven o'clock at every trade show they're like my before lunch stop because they have like this whole entire booth made out of jelly bellies (laughs) yeah (laughs) i'm like it's just
3: great (laughs) i have a fun interrupt story so years ago i was talking to someone at a booth and they ordered out subsection and they were delicious because new york you can find Mm -hmm. amazing delis and then it became a thing so the next year i'm like hey you guys going to do that again they actually got to where they were bringing in hundreds of sandwiches and they reorganized their boot. Well, the NRF got angry because they want to make money or or the Javis Center got angry Mm -hmm. because there's rules and unions. And so they shut it down. But I had a good thing going for a few years there. (laughs) And so did they because they had had the the lunch booth going.
2: Yeah. I mean, I find when you offer food at any trade show, even, you know, when I was on the fashion side going to market, feed people (laughs) with good food and they'll stick around and come back. Great. All right. So we also have to recognize that if you're new to Anarov, you also might be new to the city. And New York City is one of the most, it's like the pure definition of a city. And
1: what yeah, would do. Yeah. I'd argue
2: the best
3: city in the world. I'm going but world. I will argue
2: it. <laughs> I mean, granted, I just went to a couple of really beautiful cities last week, but there's nothing like New York, but it can be definitely overwhelming for a lot of new people, especially new people coming into, you know, there's a lot of people that have new jobs right? And this is their first time to NRF, first time in New York City. Where would you suggest a beginner to stay or how to get around? It's something that they, they, they must see just because they're in New York City for the first
3: time. Yeah. So let me go back. First of all, it's about getting here, right? So there are three airports. There's the LaGuardia Airport, which most people think is where they need to fly. But there's also JFK, which is a little more of a hassle, but you may save hundreds of dollars or get a more convenient time. Mm -hmm. and then there's the Newark airport, and don't sleep on Newark, it's just as close to Manhattan as LaGuardia. Yeah, so there you go, and you know, so there's three choices for airports. Once you get to the airport, you got to get to the city. The biggest hack now, now, I take the subway, but I'm not going to recommend the subway from the airport for a beginner, but the biggest hack is the oldest hack, it's cabs. So it used to be, yeah, I had to take a cab, and Mm -hmm. then Uber came, but now, everyone's taking Uber, so the cabs have no line, and there's an App that lets turns your cab into an Uber called Curbed, C U R B E D. You download that app and there's a number in the back of the cab, you sync it so you don't have to deal with paying the driver. So, my hack at LaGuardia was just to go down and get a cab at the cab stand, no wait, and all the people fighting over the Ubers in that parking garage deal with that. So, that's that. So, now they were there. You get into Manhattan. Um, Where to stay? I, I guess if you knew stay at one of the sanctioned hotels on the NRF website. Now, you know, back years ago, there was nothing out by Javits. It's out by the water in a rail yard, but now there's Hudson yards So you're starting to see more restaurants and hotels out there. But another thing I will say is don't get on the bus to the NRF show. So there's buses from the hotels. It's so easy to take the subway. I know subways are scary, but there's a seven subway. It's one stop from Times Square. It goes right by Javits. You don't need a card anymore. You just pay with your cell phone or even your Apple Watch, mm. it's a 7 train. And you just take the 7 train west, you get off. There, there's no other place to get off than the west stop, and you're right there. It's $2.75. And uh, that's my my big advice as well.
2: Well, as a transplant New Yorker, it's only three avenues. You can always walk it. I always like to remind people that like, you don't have cars, just, you know, Get your steps in.
3: <laughs> well, speaking of walking, whether you're walking to Javits or not, you're going to walk a lot. Oh, yeah. yeah no, walk right? a so, lot. Know could, yeah. And you know, you're a woman, so you can talk about shoes, but shoes become an issue you want to look good. So. You know, where, where you're watching, you'll see how many steps you get in. But even yeah. whether you take the bus, the subway, you walk to Javits, once you get there, you're going to walk a lot around. You'll be walking basically for eight to ten hours.
1: Yeah. 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 So much walking. So, you know, another interesting thing you brought up when we were ahead of this session and you were talking about what what kind of tips would there be, you mentioned a few things about thinking about who's listening in your conversations. What did you mean by that?
3: Yeah. So, you know, New York is what millions and millions of people live here, but it's, it becomes a real small world in the retail. So you get on a flight and it seems more often than not, the person next to me is some kind of vendor. And when you're at the bag claim, I've had people come up to me and recognize me <laughs> from LinkedIn. And so... Just be careful what you're saying about your company, business, personal. Just assume that, you know, I mean, probably rare that it will happen, but it seems to happen a lot to me. So just be careful what you're saying on an airplane, in the cab, you know, as you're going around the city, you know, so especially people start drinking, they get loud and (laughs) people can overhear. So, you know, I'd be careful about that. It's just about, you know, being professional when you travel, I guess, is the simple way you're saying.
2: I've met some of my favorite people and long-term friends from traveling and hitting airports during this time of the year. People who worked at at different consulting companies or technology vendors or retailers, literally from a flight delay (laughs) and, and having a chat, you know, over like an unexpected dinner at the airport or literally just sitting next to them on the flight. So, I mean, it's a great opportunity, but yeah, somebody, the likelihood of somebody Sitting next to you that's going to the same show.
3: Very high. Yeah. Now you could arrange for a ride. I've certainly used the opportunity to arrange for a ride. Like, hey, let's grab a cab to the yeah. city together. Yeah. You know, there's two of you or three of you, and the cab's going to be 65 bucks. And that's pretty nice yeah. to share. Yeah. And you got another 45 minutes to chat with your new friend.
2: Yeah. Have you ever visited NRF as a part of a group where the whole company is kind of going? I know you mentioned doing company dinners, but what is that? I've always gone solo. What is that kind of like when you've got a whole bunch of group, of coworkers going yeah. together?
3: I think there's a lot of positives. Like I said, you could have the dinner together. You can also divide and conquer. So hey, I'm going to focus, you know, so sit down with the group and say, oh, who's going to go to what sessions and then take notes for each other and come back and right. share what you learned. If you're all there on the same mission, maybe you can all hear something together. If you're all there looking at X, Y, Z category of software I would say you know to my tech friends the introverts it is you have to be careful because with your with people you know say you go to a party it's a lot easier just to stay with them and talk to them but don't do that force yourself to break out and and go make the new connections and if one of your goals is to make at least three new connections it sounds like Casey you have no problem doing that (laughs) but there are certainly people that come from more of the you know technical side of the house or other places where they're not naturally extroverts so you got to kind of force yourself to not just hang back with your coworker that you talk to at least on yeah, zoom so every day butterfly <laughs> <laughs> so you know one trick I, I tell people is to use the extroverts to your advantage so let's say someone meets you in a social event they can ask you hey will you introduce me to another retailer mm-hmm. and so they may not just want to walk up especially if people are in a group and that's the other thing if people come in a Group and they stay in the group, they're not really approachable. But someone like you would be easily able to bust in. Yeah. So I might say, hey, Casey, I really want to meet people at, I don't know, Coach or Louis Vuitton. And you're like, I know them. Let me introduce you. Right. So the introverts can use the extroverts to build their relationship.
2: Yeah. I always, I was very shy growing up. Who would have thought? And I always go and try and find like people who are kind of like being a like a wallflower almost. And I'm like, oh, come on in, get into the conversation, or come join because you never really do know who that who those people are. But I find that some of the introverts they're they're very good operators. <laughs> <laughs> want to know who you are? Otherwise, it's like a whole bunch of uh, a lot of social people. They're usually salespeople.
1: <laughs> exactly. That's yeah. That's like, I don't want to talk to
2: another salesperson. <laughs> <laughs> Where are some operators around?
1: <laughs> Keep it interesting. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so so it maybe re- related to to that note should have asked you earlier, Andy, I mean, are, are in this NRF coming up? Are there other side events or other inside events around town that you're excited about this year that you're looking forward to?
3: Yeah, no, I'm very active. And I know you are too with the Retail ROI, yeah. which is the retail orphan initiative. And uh, you get to go in that town Saturdays and there may even be opportunity still to attend, whether you're a retailer or a supplier. But that event is really amazing content for learning, amazing content about, you know, the organization does for orphans around the world, and uh, it's a worthwhile cause, right? Yeah. Just your attendance alone helps. So, that's I put that as number one, it's my favorite event, and I, I've been going for, since the original one. There's even if you back up, you know, years ago, the internet started on Monday, went through Wednesday, the show. Then the CIO councils and the other councils would meet on Sundays, so then the show started to move things backwards. So, then great music put his thing on saturday now there's a vicky Cantrell has something called vendors and partnerships which is really exciting Mm -hmm. it's about bringing together the providers and and the retailers and giving an award show and that's moved us back friday friday so it really has become a a weekend event you know now you're talking about traveling on friday spending the weekend and the show ends on tuesday now so again it's not just about the javits it's about from friday saturday now those are my favorite events there's Kathy Hawkins secret of You got to know, you got to know to know. So <laughs> if you want to get on that, you got to figure it out. That makes it more fun. But, um, I hear about things, even though after 20 years that go on that I had no yeah. idea, or sometimes yeah. I find out there's something. So I, I also don't want to pigeonhole people into what I do because it's, it's amazing. There are sometimes events at the big flagship stores mm-hmm. in town right? Mm-hmm. or store yeah. tours. It's another thing we didn't talk about, yeah. but you know, especially if you come in a day earlier, stay an extra day can really do some retailing and yeah, get out. to some of the stores, of, yeah. A lot of stores, yeah. Highly yeah. recommend
2: visiting stores during holiday season. No matter what type of, of retailer you are, hitting the flagships in New York City is an experience in itself.
3: And, you know, if your company has stores in the city, absolutely make sure you yeah. get into those stores and say hi to those. Yeah,
1: absolutely. You
3: know, store associates and, you
1: know.
2: There's so many learnings, so many learnings, even, even as a, even as a shopper, right? You don't have to be in the own brand. It doesn't have to be a competitive brand. Just being able to experience a fifth avenue and hit up 10 different stores. It's very rare that we get to, to see that level of quality and or just have that much access to what a lot of the flagship experiences are. So I'm a big exactly. advocate. A lot of people come in from like mid door tiers. And so I think it's always pretty special when you have a chance to visit the flagships.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I've, I've often agree. done that when I'll, I'll stay over on Wednesday in, in fact, at the day after the show is over just to do that, just to visit different stores around the city just to get a get a chance to see and experience what's new and what's special about those locations with, with so many flagship stores there and and other interesting experiences to to compare with. Yeah. So I guess that kind of begs the question, Andy. So you've gone through all these things to do while you're at NRF, all these things to do around NRF. What do you do after the show? You get back home, back to the office. Then what do you do? So I
3: may, may sound nerdy, but I always write a report. So I always use my flight home to read all my notes and summarize what I learned, what I saw. And so then tired I it. You. Well, you're like. I mean, I used to be on a four hour flight. You got, you know, if you're not going to nap and you can at least do that. But if you don't do it, then you're going to, you're already behind at work because you've been gone for four days. Right. So then I just, you know, publish that to the exec team and peers and say, here, here's what I saw, what I learned. And that's the first thing. And then it's, it's justifying the ROI we talked about it up front. So, you know, you have so much fun. You want to make sure you can get to go again. And so you make sure you justify the investment. Maybe then follow ups like some thank yous or anything. You give me gifts or meetings. I'll, I'll do that when I'm back. And then the things that you really want to, wow, you have your one big idea you want to chase. So start scheduling meetings to talk about that back home. So I do
2: have a conference hack for note-taking that I found extremely beneficial Is I open up a Slack channel and I invite a few people into my Slack channel and I take notes in Slack. And take pictures of the business cards as I get them. And so I'll have an entire Slack channel that the team is actually digesting throughout the day and doing like end of day recaps and then already on it before I even get back. But I do I love it, that's cool. Slack channel because it's mid thought. I'll just go in there right after I meet somebody and leave notes so I can remember contacts More pens and papers for me. But it shares it right with the team immediately. So I've even had people get back to me and say, "Oh, this person is also friends with this person, and they had just left this company, and I literally was still in conversation. I was able to like have the extra contact, so it is nice to have that that Slack channel open with somebody.
1: That's a great <laughs> time."
2: I'm so impressed by all of these like valuable tips and tricks and recommendations. I don't know where you were when I went to my first NRF. It was very overwhelming for me just because I didn't know who anybody was and how to navigate successfully because there's just so many vendors. But this is just amazing. Is there anything that we've missed? Anything you want to add before we we close out, Andy?
3: Yeah, look, it's. You can have some fun too, right? I don't know what's that word, boondoggle, but you're getting to go <laughs> on a trip and meet some amazing people and see some amazing things. Maybe at a restaurant you couldn't normally get into or couldn't normally afford. So enjoy yourself and have some fun, right? It's, it's not all work. It should be mostly work, but not all work.
2: Corporate accounts, man, I miss those. <laughs> well,
1: well, Andy, I, thanks so much for, for coming back to the show and, and joining us for this. Like Just like Casey said, and some amazing tips and a really Excellent guide to NRF for beginners. I don't know that I can keep track of all of them. I took some notes myself. Like I said at the beginning, this might be my 11th or 12th NRF, but sometimes I still feel like I'm the beginner learning all the the best tips and tricks on how to get through the week. (laughs) All right. Well, I look forward to seeing both of you there. Absolutely.
2: Well, Ricardo, I think that this episode is a wrap. Thank you so much, Andy. You're very welcome. We hope you enjoyed our show. And we can't ask you enough to please give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts to help us grow and bring you more great episodes. If you don't want to miss a minute of what's next, be sure to smash that subscribe button in your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to check out our show notes for handy links and more deets. I'm your host, Casey Gold.
1: And if you'd like to learn more about the two of us, follow us on Twitter at Golden and Ricardo underscore Belmar, or find us on LinkedIn. Be sure to follow the show on LinkedIn and Twitter at RetailRazor, plus our YouTube channel for videos of each episode and bonus content. I'm your host, Ricardo Belmar.
2: Thanks for joining us.
1: And remember, there's never been a better time to be in retail if you cut through the clutter. Until next time, this is The Retail Razor Show.